Welcome to a special joint episode of ClinForm Pod, the official podcast for clinical pharmacology and therapeutics, and PS Pod, the official podcast of CPT, Pharmacometrics and Systems Pharmacology, produced on behalf of the American Society for Clinical Pharmacology and Therapeutics in association with Wiley. On today's episode, I interview Karthik Venkatakrishnan from Takeda Pharmaceuticals and Associate Editor for Clinical Pharmacology and Therapeutics, Lang Lee from The Ohio State University and Associate Editor for CPT, Pharmacometrics and Systems Pharmacology, and Valentina Shaknovich from Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City and Associate Editor for Clinical and Translational Science. They will be discussing reverse translation, the theme of a joint issue of articles recently published in the ASCPT journal family. They discuss the concept of reverse translation as a means to maximize the value of the ever-growing reservoir of real-world data in order to more effectively drive future research using retrospective analysis. A link to the joint issue is available in the notes that accompany this episode online. Thank you, Dr. Zenkatakrishnan, Dr. Lee, and Dr. Shagnovich for joining us today for this podcast. Let's get right to it. So the first question, Dr. Venkatakrishnan, why reverse translation? And what exactly was your vision and scope for this theme for this joint issue? Thank you for the opportunity to share my thoughts on this topic today. We live in an era of precision therapeutics, value-based healthcare, patient participatory research, and enhanced clinical trial transparency. This is coupled with explosive increases in our ability to analyze multi-scale biological and clinical data from diverse ecosystems to discover and develop truly transformative medicines with a patient-centric sense of urgency We really need to exploit data that lie far beyond the confines of lab-based experimental models and controlled clinical trials. We have an opportunity here, and the opportunity is to dynamically maximize the value of information in real-world data from clinical practice settings and even in social media, and we need to do this with a totality of evidence mindset. With these opportunities in mind, this joint issue embraces the art of cyclical learning via reverse translation. A notable catalyst for this theme was the organization of a symposium on quantitative, that is, model-informed reverse translation at the 2017 annual meeting of the American Society for Clinical Pharmacology and Therapeutics. For the CPT issue, I had the opportunity to work with guest co-editor Dr. Sri Kasichayanula who co-chaired the symposium with me at the annual meeting. So how can we define reverse translation? Uh, One operational definition I'd like to offer is the advancement of knowledge in biology, pathophysiology, pharmacology, and therapeutics from high-dimensional data in patient populations, including post-marketing real-world settings of use, enabling innovative, patient-centered drug discovery and smarter clinical development. So, Dr. Shagnovich, how is reverse translation clinically relevant? Reverse translation is patient-centered. Therefore, it is intimately tied to clinical practice because what drives reverse translation, in my mind, is the clinical observations and the patient experiences 
that we see in everyday practice. I'm a physician by training first before pursuing formal training in research. So to me, the research and the clinical components are intimately tied. Reverse translational research really is all about understanding the variability in drug response that we experience in everyday life. Not only that, but I think reverse translation resonates very well clinically because when we take care of patients, our biggest fear is therapeutic failure. And what I've tried to highlight in the CTS editorial on the reverse translational thinking paradigm is that therapeutic failure in some ways is what drives translational research. Failure no longer becomes a failure, but an opportunity to explore why is there an unexpected outcome? Why do we see unexpected results from a particular drug? Why patients respond differently? And that, in turn, feeds back into the loop of precision therapeutics and delivering better patient care. I hope in our representation of reverse translation in clinical and translational science, we really make that connection very clear because that's what really drove me to structure this issue. And I had so much fun doing it because I think reverse translational research really resonates with patients and patient providers. That sounds excellent. I love how turn a failure into a way to succeed. It makes me think of the Thomas Edison light bulb thing where he said he didn't fail a thousand times, he found a thousand times that didn't work. I love that answer. Dr. Lee, how is reverse translation driven by and benefited from big data and data science? Let me probably trace back a little bit towards the definition of translation medicine, more or less from academic standpoint of view. So we, as school medicine or college medicine, in many large universities, the definition of translation medicine, we call from T1 to T2 to T3 to T4. So T1 is uh, more or less the basic science. T2 is more early phase trials. T3 towards more uh, population studies. And the T4 is more focused on implementation, how service standpoint of view. That's how the translation be defined in the in an academic setting during the past you know maybe twenty or twenty years already. However, because of the emergency of big data, I mean some of the directionality of translation changed a little bit because of availability of big data. For example, EMR data become much more accessible to all investigators. And the social media data obviously is very well populated already. On top of that there's a lot of public domain molecular profiling data, either on the patients or in vitro system. So those data actually, because of their accessibility, because the computational tools and methodologies you know, become more and more popular, not only computational scientists, but also among the informatician as well as physician scientists. So using those data, they can generate hypothesis to you know, supporting or validating or generating hypothesis for the tier one basic science experiments or for tier two generating data for designing early trials. Those kind of new research become much more compelling or more powerful than before. So that's at the real driver of big science research because of availability of data, because of the people who can use the data better 
So that's what of my understanding of there. Dr. Shankovich, back to you. Why is reverse translation important for existing therapies? For example, drugs already approved and in use. I think what drives our field is, again, this variability in drug response. So when we look at the existing therapeutic agents for any given condition, by definition, all of our, not all of our patients are going to respond in the same way. And I think understanding the mechanisms for why the therapeutic response is different is essential for moving forward and creating more targeted individualized therapies without investigating the mechanisms behind therapies that were already approved and in use, we would never make any progress towards precision therapeutics. So I think it is essential for us to work backwards and look at some of the drugs that have been in use for decades and really start to tease out why do they work in certain conditions one way and a different way for another condition. Not only does that encourage us to have a better understanding of different subpopulations of patients and different subtypes of disease, but it also allows us to pursue drug repurposing. And that's something we've tried to highlight in the CTS issue, um, drug repurposing for statins, for example. And we've also really highlighted how important it is to understand existing drugs like methotrexate, for example. That drug has been in use for decades, yet to this day, we don't really fully understand why it works differently in inflammatory conditions that are very similar, yet we see very distinct biomarker profiles, which were discovered as a result of investigation of methotrexate, as we highlight in one of our CTS reverse translation pieces by Drs. Ryan Funk and Mara Becker. Thank you for that answer. Dr. Lee, what are the reverse translation research opportunities in pharmacometrics and system pharmacology? My answer is more coming towards data science-driven opportunities. I think comparing to, you know, what we have 10 years ago, I think what we can proudly say that is that we have much more data we can use to build a model and to understand the mechanisms and hopefully provide more guidance for a drug therapy. It's because there's new data being generated through public domain data sources or through data mining, either institutional data or some data combined through commercially. I think there's two general directions people uh, want to go right now. I think one, I want to, uh, speaking of, of the system pharmacology a little bit, system pharmacology historically being, I would say, relatively narrow, one you know, particular signaling pathways and trying to uh, predict drug response. But given the a lot of genetic perturbation data as well as drug perturbation data existing on uh, hundreds and hundreds of cell lines, and, and people probably going to be able to build a model much more comprehensive, much bigger than what we do before. And the way we can do prediction will be much powerful than before. So that's one direction we're thinking about, you know, system biology, system pharmacology can grow. On the other hand, pharmacometrics, again, historically, a lot of people using pharmacometrics focus on one drug, maybe a couple of drugs, understand their PKPD response. But the point is that if we 
wanted to increase dimensionality, increase the capacity, but the bigger said, I said, we have to ha handle all the drugs in the EMR, electronic medical record. Can we do it a more comprehensive way just than just a couple of drugs at a time? Can we increase the dimensionality on that? Can we do that? I think, yes, we can, because a lot of model becomes more and more available, become more accessible to the investigator, so people will be able to increase dimensionality of pharmacometrics model, therefore they can do a better discovery using different data sources. So, you know, in the issue of PSP, we actually talk a lot about how do we scale up pharmacometrics models, system pharmacology models on the different areas. So this is something uh, I want to promote. That sounds excellent. A little ambitious, too. Dr. Venkatakrishnan, it's clear from the scope of papers in these issues that reverse translational research spans a discovery through practice spectrum and requires diverse skill sets. What do you see as the opportunities and challenges for furthering progress in this area? As is evident from the scope of the papers in these issues, it's really a melting pot of so many established and emerging disciplines. Uh, so just to name a few, pharmacogenomics, maybe I should actually say omics sciences in the broadest sense, population pharmacometrics, systems pharmacology, as Lang pointed to, molecular medicine, outcomes research, informatics and data science, and regulatory science. All of this really should embrace a reverse translational mindset. And that's because the value of reverse translational research spans the continuum from target discovery to all the way to enhancing and expanding the safety and effectiveness of established therapies across global patient populations. So we can really understand how to get safe and effective treatments for every individual patient uh, to address that variability that Tina was referring to. Continuous learning is clearly crucial. There's so much for all of us to learn from each other across disciplines and sectors of practice. In fact, education of the next generation of translational researchers is the focus of a macroscopy by Professor Russ Altman uh, in the themed issue of CPT. Cross-pollination is key to success. To be successful, we really need to break barriers and think and act without being limited by the traditional boundaries of organized disciplines. And we really need to collaborate. And But that's really timely now because the ASCPT 2018 meeting focuses on a theme of breaking down barriers to effective patient care. So we're hopeful that this joint issue gives valuable substrate to stimulate discussion and foster collaborations at the annual meeting. I think it's so neat to hear the other guest editors resonate what I felt when I was asked to be involved in compiling the different perspectives of reverse translation. It's really interesting that all of us seem to have come up with a far broader uh, definition of reverse translation than the simplistic sort of knee-jerk reaction of reverse translation simply means taking something that happened to a patient and looking at the mechanism of why it happened. I think Karthik phrased it beautifully, really, reverse translation embraces all sorts of different branches 
including regulatory science, including education, obviously all the omics branches, but also some of the quantitative systems pharmacology that's blossoming. So it, it, for me, it was really neat to hear all of the editors agree on this relatively broad definition of reverse translation. I certainly agree with everything that Tina said, and I too felt the same way. This really feels like a joint issue that embraced the culture of reverse translation. It really, I think, drives forward a cultural revolution, which is crucial because we're all doing this from our various perspectives as scientists in different areas, but I think what this hopefully will fuel is enhanced collaboration and ability to break down those barriers so that we can really work together uh, for the benefit of the patient. It's all about the patient, and this is patient-centered reverse translation, as is discussed actually by Dr. John Wagner in one of the uh, macroscopies in the CPT issue. And so this is about enhancing therapeutics, and it's all about the patient. So these multiple perspectives coming together, it's been really a wonderful experience for me working on this with you all. Thank you. Awesome. Dr. Lee, do you want to say anything? So I just want to echo a couple of comments early on about training aspect of translational research. It's become very clear that students and postdocs or even physician scientists need to be trained across multiple disciplinary in order to really get the benefit of reverse translation. Uh, people have to understand the data better. People have to understand the clinical or basic science impact better about this big data and how those data really can help promote their research. So they all take a lot of uh, training from different fields. So, you know, getting the barrier crossed over between different fields, I think that's something we, from academic institute standpoint of view, we are working very hard trying to improve that. So this is something I really wanted to share some light on. It's a very, very critical aspect of reverse translational research. Dr. Venkatakrishnan, Dr. Lee, Dr. Sheknovich for joining us on this podcast. It's very enlightening, and I hope you guys enjoyed doing it as much as I enjoyed That was Drs. Venkatakrishnan, Lee, and Sheknovich, and you can find their article at onlinelibrary.wiley.com. I'm Dennis Velasco. Thank you for listening.